Um, hey, open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 24, verse 49. We're going to just look at a couple of key verses and then jump into this. By the way, while you're turning in your Bibles there to Luke 24, um, just a reminder, our new website is up and running. So, so we'll, we're going to say some more about that next week, but it is up and running. Check it out. used to be brown and green. Now it's more whitish, and, but much more interactive. So that, I, not, that's not a great artistic statement about it. It's great. It's great. I, I'm, I'm digging it. Liking it. It's far out. It's groovy. Um, okay. Right. Whatever. <laughs> um, okay. Anybody ever heard Far Out? The, the, yeah. Okay. Saw a TV show. It was on one time. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Luke 24, 49. We are finishing the Power from on High series today. And uh, looking forward to all that the Lord's going to do here in this, in this time. I would just even say, be expectant to be filled with the Holy Spirit during this, during this time. We're going to have some ministry time at the end. We want to be filled. And what the, what we want to say, Lord, use me. Just use me. That's going to be the call. I'm telling you up front. I'm running the, the anticipation. But I'm just, it's like, Lord, this is for all of us. So let's, let's look at this. Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus tells the disciples... I'm going to send you what my Father promised, but stay in the city till you've been clothed with power from on high. And then the companion verse, again, Luke is writing both of these, Luke and Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's kind of the same thing, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so... You're going to receive power, and it's going to empower that empowering presence of the Spirit is going to enable you to get outside of your small world and to get into the lives of other people. So that's what He has promised for us. And so here we are. This week we're talking about from here to the nations. And just for a quick recap over the last few weeks, in the first week we talked about how Jesus is the greatest missionary of all, sent by the Father. Jesus says yes. And so that sermon, sermon was called From Heaven to Earth. From Heaven to Earth. And then in the second week we saw, you know, and again what, I'm, what we've been emphasizing here is that power is from on high is for crossing boundaries. So we've, we get filled with God's power and then we walk across the room or across the street or across the state or the city or the nations, you know, to, to reach people. And so in that second piece, and I want to encourage you guys, if you were not able to hear that that Acts 2 message um, it's a couple weeks old now, and uh, it's just very much our heart. It's who we are as a people. Acts 2. It really is very descriptive of what we're trying to be about. That was called From Friends to the City. Then last week, James talked about, he went to the next level, to Judea and Samaria, and, uh, in Acts chapter 8. And so the Jews go to the Samaritans and uh, take the gospel there. These new Christians take the gospel to the Samaritans. And this week, from here to the nations, kind of taking it to the next level once again. Now, one of the things, we always want to start with who before what. Who, the who is God, right? We want to know what God's like. And we see what God is like where? In the person of Jesus. That's right. You guys are sharp. It's like, ready to answer the quiz. And so, so Jesus shows us what God is like. And one of the things we see about God in looking at Jesus is that He is a missionary God. Does that make sense? So He's sent. He, he crosses boundaries. Forty-three times in the Gospel of John. 
43 times. I want to, I want to dig this out some more myself, but 43 times he talks about being sent by the Father to do something. So he says, I only say what the Father who sent me told me to say. I'm only doing what the Father who sent me told me to do. So it's just this sent thing happening. The Father's sending the Son, the Son's going, the Spirit's empowering. And that's what God is like, this relational God of love who's wanting us to cross boundaries, to reach people. And all of these things shape what we believe as a church here. We want to be this kind of... I loved hearing the whoever said it... Uh, somebody, the, the, the church in the book of Acts. We want to be, this, this has always inspired us. Why can't we just see church life like we read about right here in the Bible? See all the stuff, the, uh, the, the miracles, the power, the healings. I mean, how many miracles I've heard about just on these trips already. It's pretty amazing. You know, Matthew, one of the stories they had was they got a word and ended up going to this house. It was kind of crazy how they ended up. They got a word about an eclipse and there was like a sun and a moon overlapping each other on this house and they had a word about some bread and they go inside and there's all this bread on the table and the lady just invites everybody in and says, hey, come eat. You know, and her son's like a famous barbecue guy and owns restaurants or something in Texas and he'd made all this meat the day before and invites this college students in and, uh, and so there they are and you have to eat what's set before you because that's a biblical principle as well. Brisket, sausage, <laughs> turkey, chicken, that kind of stuff, right? And, uh, but anyway, the lady had a condition in her arm where her arm from blood veins was all swollen up real big. And they prayed for her in the name of Jesus, and, and the, the swelling went down, and she was able to move her hand. You know, and I said, did you see the swelling? He goes, it was swollen, and then it wasn't swollen in the name of Jesus. So God, that we want to we be that kind of church, see those kinds of things, see those salvations and all that kind of work. We want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church for the glory of God. We want to be the people of God on the mission of God because that's what Jesus is about. That's what God is about. People of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. That's what we want to do. That's who we are. That's what we want to be about. Can it happen? Yes, absolutely it can happen. God is calling us to be people that follow in the steps of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. You know, the sent ones. You know, and so it's going to be hard for us to, just to fully understand who we are, just as Carrie was sharing about, you know, just knowing that I'm a daughter who's loved. I mean, that's a, that's a key piece of the whole picture. And then, and then another piece of our identity, it's always going to be connected to, to sharing, to loving, to expressing God's love to other people, to good news. Somebody's hurting, praying for them in the name of Jesus, expecting for God's reign. Because, you know, Think about it. One day there's coming. We're living people that are, look toward the end and we see that that end, new heavens, new earth, the kingdom, you know, there's no separation between heaven and earth. Things are perfectly being done in heaven right now. We are supposed to be people that live expectantly praying in those heaven things on earth right now. No sickness, no illness, salvation, everybody, everyone knowing and treasuring God. So one of the things that we hit on last week that I want to just kind of transition here, one of the things James hit on was how much tension there was between the Jews and the Samaritans. So to think about it. They've been at it for 750 years. You think about some of the different ethnic little pieces of strife and tension that we've had in our little world here. Some of those things go back 30 years or some of those things are 100 or 300 years. 
this little tension thing had been going on for 750. It's when the Samaritans, they were all one nation at one point, but the, what became the Samaritans, they separated. They, became, they intermarried with the Assyrians, and it became like the northern, the northern kingdom. And so since that point, there'd been this animosity. The Jews considered the Samaritans, even though they were, had Jewish heritage, they were half-breeds because they'd intermarried with the Assyrians. Does that make sense? Am I teaching too much? I'll give you guys some amen stuff here in a minute. So, so there's this jump that they have to make, and Jesus models the jump. He goes to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. He models, hey, this is where this thing's going. I want you to be people that cross boundaries. It was driving the disciples crazy. What's he doing? Samaritan woman, boundaries, barriers, crossing them. One of his most famous parables of all was the parable of the good Samaritan. You know, where the hero of the story is not the Jewish guys that go past the guy who's hurting and beat up, but it's the Samaritan, the guy who's, who's less than and all that, who actually shows what a neighbor looks like and loves, cares for the guy. Well, the next jump from, is not just for, to Ju- Judea and Samaria. The next jump is to the nations. And that's an even bigger jump. But the the wonderful praise God thing is that Jesus has made a way for all of us to touch nations because the dividing wall of hostility that once existed between us, nations, ethnic backgrounds, that dividing wall of hostility has been torn down in Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. That's what he, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, right? We're tracking? So, so it's, a, it's a bigger jump And sometimes people go there. They cross water. They go somewhere else to get to the nations. And sometimes getting to the nations isn't hard at all because the nations are right here. Interesting little tidbit. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. I I just got to thinking, how big is Dallas-Fort Worth compared to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria is 2,270 square miles. The whole deal. The Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is 9,270, or 86, something like that, 9,286 square miles, four times the size of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And I think, you know, I always think like, Judea and Samaria is like the Panhandle, Oklahoma, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria is like, you know, Keller, Right? You know, and if you think about that, I haven't done the numbers on this, but I bet there's, how many nations do you think are represented in DFW Metroplex? I mean, just in Fort Worth, we have a very international city, right? TCU, very international campus, all of that. All I'm I'm saying there is is that we need to be people that are expecting uh, to to touch nations. I, I was laughing to myself, I was thinking, wow, that would make the ends of the earth like... Iowa or <laughs> Indiana or something. It's random. Okay, so, so here's, the, here's the deal. The main thing is this. This is what I'm trying to say. We're going to emphasize this at the end of the message as well. God empowers us by His Spirit and invites us, and here's what I want to focus on today, in all of our uniqueness. Okay? Can you just, let's just say, I am different from other people. And I'm like other people. That's being in the image of God, by the way. Different, the same. You know, the stuff you go through is not a lot of the new stuff. It's the same old 
trials and tribulations and temptations have been happening for a long time. God empowers us by His Spirit, invites us in all of our uniqueness to join His mission to reach others from here to the nations. So let's talk about what the Holy Spirit is doing, this power from on high that comes into our lives. Number one, the Holy Spirit is using different kinds of people. He's using different kinds of people. They're not all like me. They're not all like you. Using different kinds of people. So Acts chapter 9. Let's talk about Saul. Next chapter after James preached. Saul, different guy. You start reading Acts chapter 9, you you realize this Saul guy has been killing people in the church, imprisoning, murdering Christians, the early church. That's what he's doing. He is feared by everyone, right? That's Saul. So he's going down the road to Damascus, going to go arrest some more Christians and put them in jail, drag them off to jail, that kind of thing. And so, boom! Whoa, actually, that's really bright if you look right into it. (laughs) Blinding light works. I can't see. Everybody's got a spot. (laughs) It's weird. Blinding light. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Now remember, he's, this parenthesis here, he's persecuting the church, people, but he says, that's me. You know? And so, I really want us to just, oh yeah, the church is the, the neck down of Jesus, is the body of Christ. That makes sense? So, and the reason why that's so important is, a lot of times we, we get shut down, the church hurt us, we get wounded from different things that, that happened in the past, and you can't stay upset with the church, unforgiving, shaking your fist, you know, because it's Jesus. Uh, see the connection. You know, why are you persecuting me? He's, the, he's in the church. And so, on the forgiveness and moving forward thing, can I just say, forgiveness is the, it's not one possible way forward, it's the only way forward. There's no other way to move forward. Somebody is hurt because of something that happened in the church. We try to say this around here from time to time, but it's just, it's not the concept of the church, the eternal purpose of God, the bride of Christ, the building of God, the, the, the army. The, it's, it's not that, is it? It's somebody. I mean, you've got pain, wounds, there's a little dictionary picture, my wound, and then it's somebody's face that's there beside my wound. It's not the church. Just guessing. Just a thought, throwing that out there. And I'm, I'm, trying to be, I'm not trying to be callous about it, but I, I don't want us to be uh, deceived, lied to, wool over our eyes, bamboozled, Tricked, fooled. So, back to uh, Saul. He So there he is. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. You're persecuting. Why are you persecuting me? And so, he, he's given instructions. He goes to Damascus. Ananias comes, comes to him, lays his hands on him. He's baptized in water. And I mean, Saul, this guy, just comes alive. I mean, he immediately, he's on the streets, he's telling people about the Lord, he's, he's trying to preach the best way he knows how. He didn't even go to the core training or do the training to get ready for the trip. He just jumps out there and starts doing stuff, you know. And the Jews figure this thing out and they want to kill him. And so then they sneak him out of the city in a basket through a rope, you know, 
There he goes down the side of the wall, goes off to Arabia for three years. And check out what happens just at the end of chapter 9. He leaves and says, verse 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. (laughs) He gets out of town and there's a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Okay, so the Lord is using different kinds of people. So that's one type. Saul, this guy, he's, he's intense. You know, he really helps to uh, jumpstart in a lot of ways the church planting around the world. Another one in Acts chapter 10 would be Peter, a contrast. So what I didn't say about Saul is, Saul is like one of the most educated dudes on the planet. He's like super intellectual, right? He's also very passionate, but he's an educated guy. And then contrast that over here with another key leader in the church who's a fisherman. His name's Peter. Peter uh, is very different than Saul. In fact, you know, in one of Peter's letters, he goes, you know, Paul's writings are really difficult to understand sometimes. Like he says that. Like, Paul writes a lot of deep stuff. He's been meditating on it a long time. And uh, he's a smart guy. So, very different in personality. And, and if you don't think God can use you, think about where they came from. Paul, I mean, so Saul, murdering Christians, persecuting the church. At the end of his life, he's going, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm the worst of everybody. I'm the worst sinner there is, and God chose to use me in spite of my unbelief. All that. And then Peter, so you got that story. And then you've got Peter over here, And he denies the Lord three times, the third time with cursing, whatever that sounded like, fill in the blank here, but it's intense. So he's saying, I don't know Jesus Christ. Wow. Anybody relate to that? You know? And maybe it's not like that. Maybe you'd say, okay, well that's encouraging to me because I think my deal's less or something. But the point is, the point is that These are different kinds of people, and God's using them, like big time. Barnabas is another one in Acts chapter 11. Barnabas actually, I kind of relate to Barnabas in some ways, because Barnabas goes and he finds Saul, who's kind of on the the back burner over here in Tarsus, and he says, hey man, you've got some stuff in your life we need in the church in Antioch. And so he brings him up to Antioch. And so... Paul starts functioning in the church, and from there gets sent out because of Barnabas going and getting him. I relate to Barnabas too because, and, and we all should in this, in this way, it's like this, there are times when we lead in different circles and there are times when we take second chair or third chair or fourth chair where somebody else is leading. I do that here in the church. I do that when I'm on other teams you know, around the country doing different kinds of ministry that's helping to support church planting. When somebody else has the word, it's easy for me to be sidekick. I'm just fine being Robin in that context. And you see that in Barnabas' life. You know, there's times when he's leading out. There's times when he's in a support role. I mean, at one point, he's not afraid to lead. You know, at one point, uh, Barnabas wants to take his cousin John Mark and Paul. They're going to head out. But John Mark had deserted them back in another city on the first missionary journey. And so... Uh, Paul's like, I don't want to take John Mark. I don't want to take your cousin Barnabas. Going, we're going to take him. We're going to reinstate this guy. We're going to get him going. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. And they, they part ways. 
because Barnabas is the son of, means son of encouragement, you know, so he's the encourager, you know, and so he wants to encourage, and so Paul goes his own way, takes Silas, ends up meeting Timothy, and the rest is history. It ended up being a good thing, and by the end of the first or second Timothy, one of those, he's like, bring John Mark, you know, he's, they've, re, they've reconciled. So he's using different kinds of people, everybody good with that, unique, different, Saul, Peter, Barnabas, you could just keep going with lots and lots of names. The second piece then, the Holy Spirit, is not only using different kinds of people, the Holy Spirit is reaching different kinds of people. Using different kinds of people, reaching different kinds of people. So Acts chapter 10, kind of telling the story a little more here, is when the Jews go to the Gentiles. This is the Jewish believers reach out to the Gentiles for the first time. This is a massive wall between these guys. They, you know, the Jews called the Gentiles dogs. They couldn't, can you imagine if somebody wouldn't want to eat with you because it would make them unclean? I'm sorry, I can't eat with you because it'll make me unclean. I can't talk with you. I can't have a conversation with you. I can't touch you. It'll make me unclean. I've got to go do cleansing things because you're dirty. That's how the Jews felt about the Gentiles. So it takes, you know, it takes a pretty massive word from the Lord. A lot of people got words on the trips. I love hearing all about that. And it helps you cross boundaries. So here's the word that, that, uh, that, that uh, Peter got concerning going to the Gentiles. And it involved this centurion uh, named Cornelius who gets, he has an angelic visitation. So he's praying and wah, distinct, glorious, light, angelic being. Most people hit the deck when they see, you know, an, have an angelic visitation. And he says, send some guys, go get Peter. Peter's got some good news for you, a message that you need to hear. So that gets Cornelius moving. Two days later, they arrive. Peter, he's been at the time of prayer. It's about three in the afternoon. He's been praying, and he has wah, an open vision. Okay, so you got the angelic visitation, you got the open vision now. And in this vision, the sheet comes down and the Lord says, you know, kill and eat, or eat, eat this food. Like, no, Lord, nothing's ever unclean's ever touched my lips. And so three times he has this vision, the sheet coming down. Three times the Lord repeats it. And then in Acts chapter 11, you find out that, 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 that get up and eat, that word is actually the audible voice of God. So, I mean, Peter, you've got Cornelius, angelic visitation. Peter's having an open vision and hearing the audible voice of God where he argues the first time he hears the audible voice and then he agrees that he's going to do this. So anytime you have like this kind of stuff, it's a big deal that the Lord's trying to... It's like the Lord is really into crossing these boundaries by tracking there. Does that make sense? He's into this. And... Uh, so the boundaries for us, you guys, even today, you know, we, we don't say Jew and Gentile because mostly we're, we're Gentiles, but the word, it, the word is the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic from, and it means nations. So, so, so uh, you know, we're all part of the nations that the Lord is wanting to reach and uh, the, but the boundaries, you guys, between the different groups, backgrounds, tribes, nations, it's real. I was having lunch uh, a week and a half ago 
with a guy named uh, Damon Holliday, who's an uh, African-American pastor, planted a church. He was in Fort Worth, and he said, you know, I, he just moved up to Keller. He said, he told me, he said, when I went up to Keller, I thought my church was going to be multi-ethnic. You know, as soon as I got up there. And he said, what I found out was it's primarily African-American. And he, because we were having this conversation, how do we help our churches become more and more diverse and look like our city? I mean, that just seems like a, a right thing. If the wall's really down and we're supposed to be a picture of oneness, even in the midst of diversity that's represented in this room, why wouldn't we expect to see that kind of kingdom expression here? Somebody say amen. Help me out. Not shaky. Not, not like, oh, wow, it's a new thought. Um, hopefully. Um, but it's going to take some reflection. One of the things we have to reflect on and look at is go, you know, most of the New Testament, in a lot of the letters, they deal with this very issue, with the walls have come down. The walls don't exist anymore. Galatians, the whole thing is about the Jew-Gentile controversy. Paul, the fireball, confronts Peter who won't eat at the table with the Gentiles. You're wrong. I confronted him to his face. You need to throw in something there, like Jack or something. I, I, I confronted him. It's a big deal. Ephesians, I've already been quoting that. The wall is down. Acts. I mean, everything's kind of moving. This is the part of the blowaway story. Acts 15, they have this big council, you know, and the deal is it's Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles are welcomed into the church. That's us. Say amen. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. And it doesn't have a lot of lists and do's and don'ts that you think would be in there. You know, they need to you know, believe in Jesus and don't eat strangled meat. Animals with blood in them. It's kind of, I, I don't know, that might have not been our list in the church in America. You know, Calvinism, Arminianism, free will, sovereignty of God, mode of baptism, <laughs> Just tell them these things. Right. Mercy, Lord, help us. Uh, so the point is, He has given us a vision to reach people, cross boundaries, people that aren't like us. Holy Spirit is using different people, reaching different people. And the third one, He is targeting different kinds of places. Acts 13 They're gathered, they're worshiping and fasting and praying in the Holy Spirit. They've got all these different guys, which is interesting. Just check out the leadership in the church at Antioch. You've got Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, which probably just means he was an incredibly wealthy dude. So you've got socioeconomic uh, disparity and things happening there. And Saul, who's this educated zealot, Guy, right? While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. After they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so, you know, the Lord is targeting different places, and one of the ways He does that is by bringing people together where they know each other enough, and there's enough faithfulness that's able to be seen in each other's lives, so that we can accurately hear the Holy Spirit say, this brother and this sister and this brother and this sister, they're actually ready to go. Does that make sense? That's part of how we, that's part of how we do things around here. There's a, 
There's a walking together. There's a living life together. There's a being faithful in little things and being given more over time so that we can hear the Holy Spirit say, it's time for this or that brother or sister to go. By, and we know it by the way we've done life and community together and able to really hear the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, another place is targeted. Similar kind of thing. But Paul has a dream. And this time he's told not to go further into Asia. But he's told, uh, he sees a vision of a, of, a, of a Macedonian guy going like this. Come over here and help us. And so instead of going deeper into Asia, they go, they cross the water and go over into Greece. And it's the birth of the, the Grecian church. He goes to Philippi and meets Lydia and meets the Philippian jailer and the church is birthed there. Ephesus, on and on uh, that way. So targeting different places. Let me just wrap this up. By, by saying this, how do we move forward with this? And I think it's the sermon the, where we started this thing. God is empowering and inviting us in all of our uniqueness to join the mission. And what I mean is, I'm a unique individual and I need to be a part of this with you guys jumping in. And Jonathan's unique in all of his uniqueness and he's jumping in. And I'm not trying to be Jonathan. And Jonathan... Praise the Lord, it's not trying to be me. You know, and we have different gifts all around this room, different talent, we're different parts of the body. Some are an elbow, some's a wrist, some ankles and knees and eyes and ears, all that kind of stuff. And one of the great temptations that the enemy will use against us, and it builds this kind of performance kind of mentality, is that we'll sit over here and we'll watch. It could be somebody that's at the front or somebody that's got a certain ministry or doing a certain thing and go, I think I'm supposed to be that person. And I just want to say, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be anybody else but you. You can learn from people, but you don't want... You know, we need Sandy to be Sandy. You know, I learned this... I remember years ago, uh, I was somewhere, Jimmy Seibert down in Waco, and I had been walking together for some years, and I just realized I have a certain grace on my life and I don't have the grace that's on his life. Does that make sense? I I realize I don't want to be him because I need to be me. And, And so we all have to see that thing because the enemy will use that to make us think we're not where we're supposed to be. We need to be doing something other than what we are and who, what our gifts are and what our place, you know, and the... And you'll see this as the older you get, the more you'll realize if you'll be faithful doing what God's called you to do, you'll always have plenty to do. If you'll do the next thing the Lord's telling you to do, you'll always be on the adventure with God. You know, and that's what, that's what this is about. That's what the heart of this is. That's the kind of church that God's called us to be. At Christ Fellowship, we've always said, if we've got God's life, we're going to see this thing multiply and touch the nations. From the very beginning we were saying that. We would see His life multiplied in us as individuals, in our life groups, and in the church. I mean, that's part of why we call our mission arm Share Life Now International. That's our mission arm. Share is is an acronym for Start Here and Reproduce Everywhere. It's cool. Kind of a little vision statement. Life is life-giving, image-bearing fellowships for eternity. Go plant churches. The urgency, the scope, international, all of that. Now, just that's 
That's just who we are. It's who God's made us to be from neighborhoods to nations, from here to the nations. And when we're clear about it, it's, it's great. And when we stumble because of temptation to be competitive or you know, measure ourselves or do the performance thing, man, it's just, it's, we, we miss it. And so Lord, help us. We are so prone to get our eyes off You, Jesus, and start looking at what other people, you know, but like Peter, what about him? What about John? Don't worry about him. You know, and so there's always going to be space because this is the image of God for us to be one people with all of our distinctiveness and diversity and gifts and different parts in the body that we play. You know, that's, that's like a marriage that's working. It's going to be one, but there's distinctiveness. You don't, we don't meld into each other, but we're one. Sorry, I shouldn't fall down. She was talking to me about that the other day. Just be careful. I shouldn't say it out loud. Um, okay. The point here, though, is we are just, I mean, that's not a bad example. We're just jars of clay. We're just, we're just these earthen vessels that have been touched and ignited, uh, animated, made alive by God, you know, and it's good. It's good what He's doing in our midst. It's good what He wants to do. We have a destiny, but it's only going to happen when we're all being the individual parts that we're supposed to be. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us, wants to empower us, wants to gift us. He's inviting us to love. He's inviting us to care. He's inviting us to have courage and to be kind and to express fruit and spiritual gifts in ways that build one another up. But as we gather, we don't just stay gathered, we scatter. And we go out and we touch people and places around us. And sometimes our greatest missionary journey, sometimes it's crossing, some of you guys are supposed to cross water, go somewhere else, or go some other part of the United States. But sometimes our greatest missionary journey is just going across the, the restaurant or going across the coffee shop or going across the street or across the apartment landing to your neighbor or across the dorm to some friend or across, you know, fill in the blank, across the cubicle, across the aisle at work. You know, those are all options for us. Lord, would you just lead us and make us alive to you in your life in this time in our generation. We want our lives to count for eternity.